everyone's here today. All of a sudden, decide it, it's too popular. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I do like coming in some days where there's good energy outside, where we just basically hang out in, I don't know, the shared space that's right outside of our studio. The problem with our studio that's different, for those of you uh, who are not here, is we're in a different spot than the rest of the Sportsnet people. I like this studio. I like working in here. I think it's better for podcasting. Personally, just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're right outside 680 News, mm. and there is no... You just feel the dumbest. You feel like such a dumb idiot. That's right. When we're all sitting out there talking about posters, <laughs> and they're trying to do the mayoral race. They're like, we're working. We've all got busy. And there's only a small little thing, a little wall that separates us from them. It's basically just a privacy curtain mm-hmm. where we think we have privacy. It's and there open is on me, either side, But really, too. they hear everything we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of days where I have just a shameful look in my eyes, I have to look away like a, a, a peasant, like a servant in the, in the presence of a lord, where I just eyes to the ground it Do immediately. Do not make eye contact. Once the serious 680 people start strolling around and, oh, I, when we get shushed, which has happened before, it's very <laughs> rare. So, they're very nice, everybody at 680. They're pretty tolerable for all of our actions, but there have been a couple, like, looks, look shushes, you know, like, look shush is a shush. Mm-hmm. It is, 100%. And then there have been a couple of real, shh, shh, shh. Hey, guys, we're on air? Oh, right. <laughs> You're working. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah, you have, this is your office, and we're <laughs> intruding in it. Cool. Poster talk was hot this morning, though. It was, it was hot. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about our favorite sports posters growing up. Simon, you were trying to make the point that you don't think young athletes would ever dress up and do cool posters Yeah, anymore? we do the thing, like, you know, I'm pretty sure there was, like, an Iceman George Gervin thing where yeah, he yeah. was, like, really cold or whatever. Like, people used to like dress up for the posters. I like that that's your reference. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Especially given that's not your era. You couldn't come up with a single guy from I know. your well, I mean, You went to the <laughs> most remember, obvious guy the with Carl the nickname. I Malone dressing up as a mailman There you go. One. That's way better. Now yeah. we're talking. Now yeah. you're back in the zone. And I just don't think that, like, I don't know. I don't know if any of these kids... Well, you know what? Actually, Grady Dick would probably dress up. Grady Dick would for sure dress up. Oh, yeah. Grady Dick is asking them if he can dress yeah. up. He's like, we got to keep doing this Wizard of Oz thing. What's your costume um, collection look like? I'm Dorothy. <laughs> I got the shoes. I want to go home. Home is Toronto. <laughs> click, click. And in the background is the CN Tower. We can work with this. Red jacket. Let's go. Um, I didn't even think like mine were necessarily sports posters that I actually have a couple still framed from my childhood. And I, I, I'm so sad that I lost some of the good ones. I don't know oh, what, I know, yeah. just get tattered, whatever. But that was a great thing that my dad did. His great gift was uh, putting those posters and framing, framing a couple them, of them. sure. Yeah. And they're not classy enough to put anywhere else still in your place yeah, other yeah. than my office, which is like, yeah, hey, this is where sports stuff yeah. is going on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There's sports stuff going on here. So I have World Series back to back. Nice. Which is a great one. And then two Sonics posters that are framed. I just wish I had a couple of more. Yeah. I wish the ones that I didn't have framed as a kid, there was like two or three that I could have gone back and just grabbed. I said I had Michael Jordan jumping with the moon, doing like a backwards dunk. I had a sweet Ken Griffey Jr. one. Oh, that's a good I one. I know, I really... That's a good one. I know. That one would have been <laughs> really good. And the thing is, is 
I don't think that you can buy posters now. Also, framing stuff is basically the most expensive thing on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, it is. Sure. You go in to frame something, and they're like, that that's... $600. Yeah. They're like, do you have kids? They're like, why? <laughs> like, well, if you do, you can't afford to do this and raise them. <laughs> so we'll just take one. It's either send them to school <laughs> or frame this picture. Yeah, we'll have one of those kids, please. <laughs> They'll work in the shop in the back with all the rest of the children people use for payment. But they want a poster from their 90s nostalgia framed. Yeah, I, I actually do want to know. I want to get some tweets and some posts today on Instagram. Uh, so shoot me a DM anytime, at JD Bunkus, about your favorite poster they had growing up. I had like, and I stole this from my buddy. I don't know where he got it from when you were stole kids. Stole a poster? Oh, yeah. Why you open the story had, with that? Well, because, I mean, anyway, <laughs> he had like a five-foot Larry Bird poster from the 80s. That's pretty sweet. That was sick yeah. and that I took from him. And yeah. then, like, brought to my university house, yeah. which was a huge mistake because, I mean, that thing was covered in beer and ripped yeah, to shreds. But, like, in retrospect, man, I wish I had that. I it like how awesome. it was five feet, though. It was huge. No, I know, but I'm just saying, why not just oh, make it make full? It full? Yeah. Yeah. Once you're at five feet, the like, guy was like, yeah. all right. Was that like 80? Close enough. <laughs> Shrunk him 80%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just go all the way. Just go all the way. He's not 10 feet tall. <laughs> just looking at this weird little mini Larry Bird. Now I wish you had it just because it's such a weird idea. Hey, what if we have a huge... Thing because he's in the NBA. Okay, right on. So it's his height. No, five feet tall. <laughs> Actually, really short. <laughs> Extremely short. The size of like a little Filipina lady. <laughs> we should put it on the set behind you right here. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's what they're doing it's with It's like him. a weirdly small Amazing. Larry Bird. I would, yeah, that's the one we need for the show now. Anyways, uh, Justin Bourne's coming in studio today because I have, in case you haven't noticed on the show, I've been sitting around and I've been digesting Leafs thoughts, okay? I haven't just been trying to put them out there every single day. I've been sitting there waiting in the wings. Even when I came back from vacation and it was, it's still not really announced that Sheldon Keefe's going to be the coach. It's the weirdest thing ever. They just, we just had one report of they're working on an extension and we took that all as, okay, well, so it's done. And yet I think it's, it's more than a week later now and we still don't have an actual confirmation on what this looks like, this extension, what it's going to be, feels a little John Schneider extension-y, though, if it happens. Which is like, yeah, this is an extension, and sure, you will get more money, but also, this might not last that long without results. Anyways, I've got a lot of Leaf thoughts. I want to do them with Bourne. I'm going to do a couple before Bourne, but I, I'll just say this. I, coming off the Blue Jays weekend, I don't really have takes on the Oakland Athletics. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry. What what are we supposed to? Did you guys watch their outfield defense this weekend? Like it was that was tough. Was I, I've never seen that before. Yeah, I've never seen that kind of outfield defense. Like, remember when people would get mad at Teo? Teo's a gold glover for that team. Huey <laughs> in center field. The other guys on the TV looking at Teoscar Hernandez, going, "How did you get so good at this, man? You're unbelievable." This is crazy. This is what it must have been playing with Ozzy Smith. That you're the man. You are the man, Teo. Lourdes Correal never would have been traded from that team for outfield defense. No question. Both those guys deadlocked into center field. Yeah, it's like that Simpsons joke with Canada basketball. You're the center. <laughs> That's Oakland's outfield defense. And I love the call where they went, uh, this guy's never played center field before. I went, oh, wow. really? Yeah, He's that, that guy who just had zero track on the baseball and let it fly into the fence on a routine uh, like uh, flyout? 
has never done this before. I am truly shocked. <laughs> truly, truly, truly shocked. Anyway, it was incredible to watch them. Unbelievable that they ended up stealing a game from the Blue Jays. That one kind of stung. It's crazy how quick people will turn on the Jays right now. Like, every loss, people are just pissed off. Oh, yeah. And I get it. They have to beat the crappy Oakland a Athletics. But I had some Twitter and Instagram messages just polluted with some hateful Jay stuff. Some just hateful stuff. You're either getting they got to trade guys or fire the manager after any bad loss. And the only thing with the trade guys thing, I don't want to get too deep into this today, is... Man, what are you getting back for these guys? Like, who are you really trading away? I, I don't, I would kind of be in that camp of if things start to go south, explore a couple of ideas, but what are you getting back? Like, who are you moving? Maybe the guy that pitched really well yesterday and extended his outing, Yusei Kikuchi, who all of a sudden is, went from being someone people went, oh, you're going to have to bury him in the minors to an important piece of this team. Maybe he's one of those guys, not sure what you're getting back from, but maybe he ends up being on the docket. He was awesome yesterday, but it was another reminder as soon as he went out there for that extra inning of this. Jays are still running a four man rotation. Like, mm -hmm. all right. I guess if we want to use him for another inning against the Athletics, you want to make him feel good, fine. But maybe be a little uber cautious with the starters right now. Maybe don't push it with these guys, considering you have four of them and it's Bowden Francis waiting in the wings as number five. And the number six, oh, God, you don't want to know the number six. Like, if Bowden Francis is your number five, <laughs> like, you don't want to know. Shh. Keep it quiet. And then, yeah, the only obvious take is you hope in a game, every sport, confidence is obviously huge. It, it just is. And I know sometimes we overdo it with this stuff, the trying to read the sports psyche of different players. But if you're Vladdy, this is, uh, I don't know what they call it in boxing. They have a term for when you're training for a fight. They'll put some crap jobber in front of you to give you real confidence. This is weird, but I, I can't. The only main reference I have for this is from a British television show called The Mighty Boosh that I watched in like the mid 2000s, which was amazing, which is like one of the greatest sh comedy shows I've ever seen. But yeah, they have one with Monsoon Moon and he knocks out a kid. They put, they put a kid in the ring with him and he just knocks him out. He yells, a monsoon moon! And they just take him out to try to get him prepped for a fight. So what you're saying is Vladdy's monsoon moon. Vladdy's monsoon moon. <laughs> where he, he got, what, what was it, six hits, seven RBI, a couple bombs. He monsoon mooned the hell out of the Oakland Athletics. The child that is the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, I, I really liked what Arden said. Arden was in the broadcast and he just, it's what we all see, which is, hey man, you, they want to pitch you down and away. That's been in the book now. It reminds me of when the Jays actually got Justin Smoke, which is not the best reference. Like when Justin Smoke arrived with the Blue Jays, it was down and away, down and away, down and away. He couldn't lay off of it. And how many times has Vladdy poked one of those into a double play? Well, the most in baseball, actually. That's not great. But nice. Like at least it showed a little bit of discipline at the plate. He was waiting for his pitches. Those, those Oakland athletic pitchers, again, it's terrible. They've got a guy that came in, what was it yesterday? Look at his ERA. It's eight. Of course, the guy that beat them, though, was Caprilin, eh? Armin's here today. Armin's guy. Dude, ever since I chirped Caprilin, I think he's 3-0. <laughs> I think he's one, or he's like 2-0, but he hasn't lost. Like, I'm staying away from him. Caprilin is cursed. I Armin completely cursed me making money off James Caprilin. The Armenian touch. He just came in here and he went, no, there's no more fading the Armenian dude. And I've never done it since. I can't do it anymore. It's completely over. I should say, though, that Botano best bets, we did hit on Friday. 
I did post on Twitter and Instagram a bonus plus 225 bet builder from Botano. So make sure that you follow there so that you end up getting more of those. Cause yeah, we hit that one too over the weekend. I also really liked uh, Jays to score a run in the first inning against Oakland, which also hit plus 140. Okay. So yeah, just fine weekend for the Jays. You didn't lose two or three to Oakland, which would have been a disaster. Yes, obviously you need to win a bunch of these. I'm going to go down to the ballpark a bunch this week. And yeah, I really do hope that the Vladdy stuff is a real positive indicator. And I do think that he is someone who gets in his head during these slumps. I, I do think that as much of a joyous, happy baseball player, he is um, someone who can pick himself up pretty quickly. I, I do think that there's been enough smoke about him putting pressure on himself and, uh, wanting to carry this baseball team and even from some of his quotes and after the MVP season that when he's struggling, the guy really is feeling it. And so, yeah, I'm going to try and believe that this stretch here, he's going to start to at least show some signs of life. Um, Leafs, before we take the break, before we get Justin Bourne in here and do just, yeah, like sort of a comprehensive breakdown essentially of what needs to happen over the next week or so. Because, yeah, all of a sudden free agency is here. Draft is in a couple of days. And it's weird in Leafs land right now because for a team that flamed out so spectacularly and fired their general manager, that's really the only noise around the team. You hear people saying, oh, well, the Leafs could potentially move their first-round pick. It's like, all right, it's a back-of-the-first-round pick. I guess if there's a player there that a team really covets on draft night, they might want to trade up and do something with Toronto. But that's not, you know, you look back through the fa- the past like six, seven drafts in those in in that slot, it's not exactly like you're getting bona fide stud NHLers in the end of the first round. Some lottery tickets. Um, but you look at the forward group right now, and it it, it seems to me like we've kind of reached a decent amount of groupthink with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is that they're not going to do anything because they can't do anything. Well, how is Toronto going to make anything happen? What they're going to trade William Nylander, the only guy that has come through with goals consistently in the postseason. Even though, again, I do think that there is a middle with William Nylander. He hasn't been, he's been good for, for stretches. He's been, quality the Montreal series I remember specifically where he was just like man he played extremely well but there were moments in the Tampa series this year and moments in the Florida series where William Nylander disappeared too and then he would turn it up turn it on look awesome but even still you can't trade William Nylander he's too talented you got to make sure that you get him done what are you going to get back from can't trade Mitch Marner you're not going to get commensurate value obviously Austin Matthews has to resign you got to make sure that Matthews is coming back when is this going to happen and then you can't trade Tavares Tavares is immovable. No one's taking the 11 million naturally. Of course, of course, of course. But Toronto needs more scoring. They lost 143 points last season from Bunting, Engvall, Camp, Kerfoot. And I know those guys aren't like the most popular four Maple Leafs. Some of them are, you know, Engvall is probably weirdly the most popular out of the all four. <laughs> like where there's just a corner of Engvall believers, truthers that are out there that believe that, yeah, trading him was the biggest mistake that the Leafs have ever made. And that's not even including maybe losing Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari who scored 15% of the Leafs' playoff goals. Their top six right now would include Callie Yarncroke. Okay, he was fine last year. He also shot almost 20%. Pretty good shooting percentage, probably unsustainable. I don't think that he's going to be Craig Simpson 2.0. Just my guess. And then after that, you're relying on a rookie in Matthew Nyes, who got hurt during the postseason, I should add. 
to play 82 games in your top six. After that, the next best Leafs forward is probably Sam Lafferty. So they've got some work to do here. They've got plenty of work to do. And so basically just what I want to go through with Bourne is the thoughts on trading somebody from the core four is basically what is the other option? How else are they going to end up maneuvering this? What does it mean keeping this coach? What are the options? Can they push Tavares out? Are they going to move those picks? Are they going to move a player? What does Matthews' next contract have to be? We're going to do all that with Justin Bourne right after this quick break. Justin Bourne is here with his leather-bound notebook. Have you felt this pen I have, by the way? Feel the Dude, weight of this Dude, you're pen. such a classy guy. You wrote one book, and now you're like, I have <laughs> leather books and heavy pens. <laughs> That's really heavy <laughs> And I nice, come in but... here, I'll just take down some notes. Yes. I have June written yes. so far. This huh? is I a nice heavy I pen, though. I remember the date. Honestly, though, does your arm, I'm so weak, I'm like, my arm would get tired with that I pen. I don't write anything of substance yeah. for any length of time. <laughs> yeah. Dude, doesn't it feel good scratching out a couple of notes? Notes, though yeah. throughout the day this business here, here's a little peek behind the curtain it's a lot of just you scribble down a quick little note yeah and then you're like there's, there's something here later yeah. that i'll think about <laughs> i'll work this and then sometimes i look at them and i go no that was bad <laughs> did, <laughs> did you know they have stopped teaching handwriting in schools like my son yeah, will never would know how to handwrite that you know what <sighs> i don't like that I don't like it either no, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. there's something about that i don't like how to oh i learned I cursive yeah. for sure okay but oh, even the youngest can, can handle Yeah, just, I, I don't know. There's something to me a little uncomfortable about the idea that they would never... What, you didn't learn? You learned um, how to handwrite? Yeah, 100%. All right, Joe Bones. I, I learned cursive, too, and I was terrible at it. Yeah. That's what that is. There you go. Handwriting is cursive, <laughs> oh, yeah. Joe. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so I had to do both handwriting and cursive. I was like, whoa, the curriculum has... Yeah, I, it, was, it was called cursive when I was learning it. Yeah, okay, Fair yeah, they are. It's called cursive. Though. Yeah, all right. So Justin Bourne's here because, like I mentioned, I, I've been sitting on Leafs thoughts for a couple of weeks. Apparently, that is the case for you, too. Before we jump into that, though, I need to ask you the question yes. that I was asking these guys this morning. Was there, If you could bring back to life one childhood poster you had... Oh, wow. From the 90s? Wow. Like, that you had in your bedroom or that one of your friends had that you could put in your office right now, what would it be? Pro- I had a sick Michael Jordan Space Jam poster. Yeah. Marvin the Martian nice. yeah, was, like, my dude. He was pretty cool. Yeah, so Marvin the Martian was cool. That's probably the one. That, <sighs> I had, like, a Brett Hall and a Paul Correa. Brett Hall was a, a military one, Top yeah. Gun. See, that's cool, too. We were talking about <laughs> Brett Hall and Gretzky. It's hilarious that their actual legacy yeah. is the GT Snow the GT Racer, Snow Racer <laughs> posters. <laughs> like, that, those two guys got together. I, I never saw them. I don't even know what you're talking oh, about. You never saw a GT Snow Racer? No, I mean, I had a GT Snow oh, Racer. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. There was, like, the second those guys became St. Louis Blues. Yeah. I mean, rational thinking people went, oh my God, they're going to win so much, right? Like, this is going to be unbelievable. The pairing of these two guys, the amount of goals. No idea that Gretzky was 35 years old or that people, you know, slow down as they age. GT saw an opening. GT saw an opening. (laughs) They got these two guys to be the faces of this blue and yellow GT snow racer. And it was... Uh, top item in that Christmas book. <laughs> Remember the old Christmas book you would open up and pick the gifts from? Now, apparently, Amazon does something like that. Of course oh. they do, but that's not the same. <laughs> that's disgusting. I feel like the shows that you and I have done together, yeah. we have gotten progressively older. Yeah. We've been at it for, I don't know, how many yeah, years now years. together, but yeah. yeah, it feels like we're now showing our age a little bit. Yeah, we like talking about stuff that yeah. is old. I didn't, by the way, <laughs> I didn't even uh, like Brett Hall as a player, by the way. No disrespect to the man, but like Who I was did? not a fan, but you know, people are like, Justin likes hockey, and your aunt gets you like a oh, Brett Hall poster. Yeah. It's like, all right. 
<laughs> yeah. What's crazy is how you would just never see those people play. Yeah. Like no, you would be, if it was a hockey night in Canada, you'd see Brett Hall a couple of times a year, basically. I knew he shot it in the net a lot. That's what I mean. <laughs> that was and like you just stand But that was knowledge. it. You got newspaper stats that you would look at in the newspaper and go, who's leading goals? Brett Hall? Nice. That's sweet. <laughs> He must be sick. He must be awesome. You'd have like a hard opinion. While you were churning butter, you were checking yeah, the newspaper stats. <laughs> Papa, when do we raise the bar? <laughs> soon, son. Soon. Okay, so yeah, we've been sitting on leaf slots. You have too. Mm-hmm. You've been like not crushing every single day. Just There's nothing to crush. That's why I wanted to have a thought with you is because yeah. I feel like there's been this lull and... They fired the GM, and there was tons and tons and tons of thoughts, and it was Trey Living's coming in here, and how much power does he have, and what's the move going to be, and blah, 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 blah. And now they're heading in the draft, and it goes, yeah, they just changed their general manager, and we're not really sure what the next change is going to be. And I started looking at stuff going, all right, so they're going to keep the coach. Their, their guy is talking about bringing back the core four. Yeah. Mm. If they're lucky to get them re-signed, that's... Yeah, so... <laughs> I read something the other day where they went, oh, Toronto's willing to shop their first round pick. And I went, all right, yeah, but what's oh. the value of that, right? Like, 28th? It's the you can 20... get Rasmus Sandin. Yeah, that's, I, honestly, Rasmus Sandin's one of the best players that was picked in that range over like the last five years. Yeah. So, yeah, that's maybe the value of that pick. Let's just say the value of that pick is that Washington was willing to throw it in for Rasmus Sandin, who was the Leafs' seventh-ish defenseman. Yeah. Last year, who's young and still potentially has some upside. I'm just saying that the idea that all of a sudden this pick has transformed into a highly coveted item right. around the NHL feels like a little bit of a stretch. It's not Brett Pesci coming nah, back. It's, it's not. Yeah. I was like, they have Nick Robertson in there. I forgot about him. What if he became a player? Wouldn't that be fun? Well, here's the thing. This is where I'm going to start today. They might need him too. Oh, because as of right now, the top six isn't bad, right? Okay. Top six. Core four, yeah, right? Core, core Starting four, with that. Splash in Yarn Crock and Yarn Crock. Another and player. Nice. nice. Oh, yeah, he's your right. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Except for the point I made before the break was, you know, Nice got hurt playing, what, eight games, seven games? Yeah. Yep. Brutal hockey. But it was yes. brutal hockey, but yeah. I'm just saying that he's 21 years old. Yeah. They sheltered him for a reason. And now all of a sudden he's being asked to play a full 82 in top six minutes, going, what, 16, 17 a night? Yeah, I mean, it's, such is life, though, of, sure. like, become a hockey player. Sure, such is life. Just feels like a lot of reliance, given that. Can you tell me the only other Toronto Maple Leaf forward that was on the team last year in the playoffs that is currently with a contract in the bottom six? Uh, oh, boy. It's Sam Lafferty, bro. Okay. Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah. It's okay. Sam Lafferty, only making yeah. a million bucks. Guess who's after that? It's Pontus Holmberg, Nick Robertson, and uh, Bobby McNan. That's how you're <laughs> filling out your roster as of this moment. And so here's the thing I've been just kind of sitting on yeah. that I wanted to bounce off you and sort of get into this stuff. Should we cover another team? Oh, I sorry. Wish you, we... Sorry, I thought I didn't mean to preempt you. Honestly, there. Go ahead. <laughs> I, if they run it back, yes, because I don't know what to do during the 82 games. Really exciting stuff come playoff time. Yes. They run it back. Same thing as always. Yes. But yes, should we cover another team during the regular season if the <laughs> yeah. Leafs run it back? Absolutely, we should. Um, no question about it. So I think that we take too much sometimes from teams that win and you go, it's a copycat league. What can you learn? Yes. What can you learn? And yes. it's usually an exercise in futility. I remember the one year Pittsburgh won without defensemen and people went, hey, Pittsburgh didn't really have any like stud defensemen. This is my article today, by the way. Okay. Is that there's lots of ways to build a winner. Hey. Don't fall in love with the most recent champ. Okay. But what I will say is this one thing about the winner. Vegas, as much as Marsha Show got hot, Mm -hmm. 
Vegas, as much as Mark Stone is an absolute stud at the very top, who just does everything for a team and you watch him in the playoffs and you just get enamored by the way that he plays like a 200 foot game and can also score their team. Their identity was the team. Yeah. And so the misfits were there. It was six guys that were cast offs from other groups and you go, all right, so it's only six guys from the original team, blah, blah, blah. They had a toss in goalie, but that was the feeling is like, interchangeable parts mm -hmm. that everybody owned a stake in this team. And maybe there was more stake for a guy like Marcia. So maybe there was more stake for a guy like Eichel who, you know, sacrificed his Buffalo legacy to make sure that he went somewhere else. Maybe there was more stake for Mark stone, a guy that kept getting close, but hadn't really been over the hump, but they were a team. Mm -hmm. And there was that, you know, musing by Elliot Friedman. And I, I, I hate, you know, trying to guess sort of what he said, but it was essentially the idea behind it is Toronto doesn't have regrets about having the core four, but they do wonder if it's like taken up too much oxygen and gotten too much attention about just being about these four players. And I can't help but feel like this offseason, that would be more than ever. Like the idea that Matthews would get a new deal and that Nylander would get a new deal, that both of those guys would exercise even more power over the organization, that they would keep cost their head more coach, the cap. cost more against the cap, and then you go into an offseason where you've got some real hurdles to jump with your cap space, and a bottom six that you genuinely have to essentially fill out from scratch. To me, it's like that is the thing that has changed for me mm -hmm. is moving forward with this identity of four players. It's not about, hey, these guys stink or these guys are flawed or these guys are whatever. I mean, you can have your opinions on some of that stuff. But I think that the major thing to me about figuring it out is that having these mercenaries that fill out around four guys and trying to go into the postseason and have it feel like, you know, band of brothers like Vegas and chip on your shoulder identity mm -hmm. and just depth and scoring. These four guys have proven at this point that they are not good enough as a four man unit yeah. to provide enough scoring, just the four of them to win a Stanley Cup with a bunch of bums. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a way after what we just saw with that team last year where Toronto was going to now seemingly f or be able to find a forward group that fills out around those guys that's better. So I guess kind of just your thoughts on that and whether, mm -hmm. yeah, you're starting to feel like maybe, you know, you're not going to win the core four trade. You're not going to win that outright. And people are going to look yeah. at it and go, wow, you trade Nylander for this. Pro but do you have to make the, you know, lose the battle to win the war kind of thing? Yeah, that was another article I kind of wrote, just the idea about how do you get different without getting worse? And because yeah. the, there is some merit to just trying something else. I agree. You know, you trade, I think I had made the comment about it, were you to trade Marner for Soros in Nashville and all of a sudden you have, a, you know, one of the best goalies in the league. You also, yeah. that frees up $6 million in cap space for the next two years to maybe it's Soros and Orlov or whatever and all of a sudden you're different. I don't know if you're better, but you're different and you want to try something else. I, I'm of, of the same belief as you that I've seen enough from this core four group to believe that it it alone cannot be sort of the nucle nuclear core that like powers a team through. My problem is when I look at Vegas, I don't just see a team, a universal team and everyone pull in the same direction as I see the best decor in the NHL. I see Petrangelo, Theodore, Hegg, White Cloud, you know, whoever also was there. A couple That's of, a really good point. A really good D. So I see... A D that is so solid that you get out of your end, you play in the other zone, you give the guys chances to succeed, and all of a sudden March or so overachieves or Stone gets a few extra or whatever it is, and they find a way. When I look at the Leafs this year, it's really hard. Like right now when I look at their roster, it's really hard for me to look at their decor and think they have a chance to win a cup, even a snowball's chance. Like Riley and Brody 
are your top two D-men, and Brody looked pretty bad in playoffs and isn't getting younger, so not feeling great about that. Jake McCabe, I really enjoy at two million dollars salary. I'm yeah, great. but he's a two three. Like he's like a not a two three as in a number two second or, three, or third pairing. Second guy. or third pairing guy. So like I came to grips with what he is over the course of the yeah. season. He ain't really moving the needle. He's helpful. Even though our boy McKee was like, is that what Bobby Orr looked like? I know. Well, we all had moments. He threw a couple of hits, and yeah, it was know, like, just, oh my god. Just yeah. But every time just, he threw a hit, he lost his mind in the yeah, ensuing seconds. But uh, Lilligren, then okay. You know, okay, mm-hmm. fine. So, okay, Lilligren and, and uh, you know, McCabe and then Timmons, Brody, it's bad Bringing back now. Luke Shen and thinking that you're going to get yeah. the exact same result as yeah. you got this year, which kind of... You kinda... have to get appreciably better yeah. on the back end. You have to get a guy guy. Yeah. You know, if it is Brett Pesci from Carolina is the name I brought up before, but mm-hmm. like... So, yeah, when I look at the core four, I have not been a guy who's looked at them over the t- the years and said, trade Nylander for a D-man. That I've, their D has been fine enough for me. Mm-hmm. I just think it kind of falls apart when you lose Giordano, you lose Hall. It's just Dude, they're, I, they're in trouble there. I think that that, you know, that ties into the next part that I was going to go to, which is that the blue line's also not good enough either and yeah. that they still need to get off the Matt Murray money. But oh, can I just interrupt you for a yeah. second? The you know you see everyone on Twitter being like they don't need D, they need goals. Their D is fine. You can get goals from the back yeah. end. You can break the puck up and help your forwards. As you we need, saw from Morgan Riley, you need better players on defense. Whether you want to call them, you need D or not. You need better players on defense. But this is it. Is that why I've come to the conclusion of the core four thing needs to end? Is not for the intangible stuff that we try to guess about, right? Not yeah. about Marner putting the puck over the glass right. or whether the market pressure is too much for him, whether Matthews cares enough to be, you know, the blood soaked leader of a championship winner, whether Nylander can be consistent enough, blah, blah, blah. Like I don't care about that stuff in this conversation. I do. Obviously I have my opinions on these things, but what I'm really saying is that's like, man, how are you going to improve your blue line? How are you going to make sure that your goaltending is shored up? How are you going to make sure that you have spread out goal scoring from the rest of your bottom six or at least somewhat of an identity other than mm. Bobby McMahon and the mercenary boys around your forward group, like the top six? I like them. Yeah, I like those guys too. But I guess what I don't <laughs> yeah. love is coming into the season yeah. where you might have a bottom four where it's Pontus Holmberg, Bobby McMahon. They're and... all your 12. Every guy is like, that's your 12 forward. I like McMahon as your 12th. I like yes. Holmberg as your 12th. I it, like Robertson as your 12th. Exactly. How are you going to make Maybe the pieces around? Well, the Robertson thing is... Robertson just feels destined as a guy who's not going to work out here and then go somewhere else and has one year where he pops for 30 goals and everyone goes, yeah, like (laughs) nuts about it. And then he ends up being just kind of like, yeah, whatever. That's a reasonable crystal ball take. Yeah. Yeah. So, but either way, it's like, that's it. What are you going to pull from? So your assets, if you're not talking about core four, you're going to have to trade somebody, right? Like someone has to get moved here because the free agent market of open space, you got cat money, you got space. So you need centers, right? Right now, after Stahl resigns and uh, Johansson gets traded, the best center on the market is Comfer. Like, it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's enough. And yeah. also, there's all this thought of you got to push Tavares to the wing. And I go, I agree, but I don't think you're doing it for Comfer. I also don't know about that. Like, you know, he was a point per game guy last year. There's plenty of point per year guys who score 60 points. I think it's points really overstated. 60 points in 75 games as your second line center. Pretty good. Buddy, if, if John Tavares made $8 million, you think we'd be having conversations no. about moving him off center? You're right. It's about money. It's about money, but also it's like you would love to have someone that if you're keeping Nylander, that you could play with Nylander outside of Tavares. Yeah. Or with Marner, right? 
Like if you were really going to split these things up and mm-hmm. go, hey, how do we disperse the talent that we have? You would have just loved to have, I hate saying it, but like a cadre where you could have gone, you know what, Marner and Kadri are going to play together and Tavares is going to anchor his own line. And maybe at 11 million, it sucks that it's more of a checking line that they tried a couple of times, but he's supposed to score and provide depth down the lineup and it is what it is. But yeah, just that's that's where I'm at with this is I, I don't see a scenario where you're taking Lilligren or that first round pick or Nick Robertson and turning that into meaningful pieces enough to really fix your team. Yeah, you're trading... Dogecoin there. Yeah, That's it. There, it's now like, you're getting any real value back. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's coming back. It just feels like too many holes at this point. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's interesting now looking back with some time and some space that Shanahan did hire tree living and tree living has won trades before, you know, you go through it like the Dougie Hamilton trade. Like that was a good mm-hmm. one for him. He's had some solid hits in Calgary, but now you're basically bringing a guy in who is probably the biggest he's not the biggest reason but that trade is one of the biggest reasons if you're in the camp of don't trade one of these guys like the against trade? yes because you're going i don't think there's anybody who could have done better than what he did I, no i agree with that yeah. what i'm saying is in general the yeah. principle of that trade yes the idea of trading a star player to for, get worse <laughs> to get two players to spread out the talent yeah it could not have gone worse in, in the little time that we have to judge off this what deal. What Huberto and Uyghur make combined a season now? Like 16 mil or something like that? Yeah. Something gross. Yeah, that's, well, I guess that's the other part of it is if you're Toronto, you might not be <laughs> trading for that. But I do think that there's just always been the Carolina thing. I think you met, even talking about it with Pesci. Yeah. It just feels like there's something that those Willie. two teams, with either Nylander or with Marner, one of those two guys, yeah. with their surplus on the blue line, with the fact that they're still young, they've this got a Tusky ton of young stuff, guys. Right? As he's an analytics guy, these are analytics players. So then analytic your way into Mitch Marner or William Nylander, please, because 100%. it just you two feel like natural trade partners. They need another stud up front. They've they tried to run it out with their depth and the Nikuses of the world as their top scorer from yeah. last year. It's not happening for you. And yes, you got hurt, and yes, Aho is going to come back and need a new contract, but... I they just need keep someone lo- to score. I keep looking at those two teams and going, well, that's, I guess, if you think need someone to score, then it's Nylander. Because I was going to say that, to me, I'm still hoping that you get off the Marner money. I did too. You know, I know that's uh, that would have been sacrilege to say a year ago or whatever, but no. I know, during I, the I, middle I, of the season when he was the best player on the team. I, I think it's... I think it's the better thing for the the culture here, the direction, the whatever. I I think there's a lot of opportunity to make your team better there, and yeah, you can get a real D man out of them. Problem is, Carolina's pretty smart. Yeah, you know, I don't think you're getting back. Why can't? But Trey Living has also a history of trading with Carolina. Yeah, does he? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what the, well, the, the Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he's actually dealt with that team before. Yeah. I think a couple of times, but it's just they might be a smart team, but they both team feel like groups that are at that inflection point, that tipping point yeah. of. Hey, we're Carolina. We do something. You, hey, both you guys have been really good in the regular season. We get it. You guys both, are really. Both teams are looking to get different. Yep. You guys are awesome in the regular season, and Carolina is the team that has the depth in the blue line. And both teams have had the shaky goaltending, yeah. right? They both tried the Freddie Anderson thing, and it didn't work out for either team. They were like, all right, <laughs> all right. I guess we now know <laughs> for sure that for Freddie us. Anderson is not, is not the thing. But yeah, yeah uh, to me, I just look at them and I go, that you're natural trading partners because I just don't see what's in free agency where Toronto's going to get appreciably better, especially like given rumors that their yeah. own guys like Camp wants $3 million plus. I love Camp. So do I, but you're not giving $3 million bucks, man. You're just back into the Alex Kerfoot zone going, uh, man, if you couldn't pay, if, if everyone was upset about Kerfoot making 3-5, I know. then people are going to be upset when David Camp makes $3 million bucks and you and go, wait. 48 games out of goal. Sorry, you had 27 points this year? Yeah. 
and we give you $3 million. Like, yeah, I do other stuff. Yeah, well, you better do a lot of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. You better have the Toronto Folding Maple, laundry you, the the Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter account better have like a comprehensive <laughs> breakdown ready. The, whoever the Justin Bourne video coach yeah. is better be cutting defensive highlights Just of him, watching him stick lifting checks, and yeah. stick checking and hitting guys, winning face-offs. You got to have that ready to rock and roll. My, my concern, my biggest concern with tree living is not his history at all. Mm. It's this, and I've said this on my own show, that this Leafs job is the number one GM job in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So if you're Brad Tree Living, the job you've aspired to your entire life is to be a GM in the NHL and then to be it for the premier franchise in the league. Mm-hmm. He has that job. The only way to lose that quickly is to trade a star, mm-hmm. get worse, miss the playoffs next year, and fired in two years. Okay, so I don't, I don't know If about he does that. nothing, he gets to stay. But, okay, here's why I don't know if that's true. If he does nothing... Right? He does nothing, nothing means does his best to sign good players. They does already have a good core. They probably finished with 96 points. I think they're going to take a step back in the regular season from where they were a year ago. Unless something happens, yeah. Okay. But, well, I just – I think Boston will too. I think Boston will too. And but maybe listen, Tampa. Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit yeah. will be better than they were last yeah. year. All three will. So they'll take a few more points off everyone. And I think Toronto's going to be worse too. People always looked at Boston and went, well, they're old and they're capped out. And Tampa, they're old and they're capped out. It's like Toronto is capped out as well and – yeah, it's going to be appreciably thinner. Like I mentioned, you know how many points they're losing in some of the forwards they had last year, not including Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Chari? It's 143 hmm. from their forwards. Like, it's a lot that they've got to make up right now. That's yeah. quite a bit. And Achari and Ryan O'Reilly scored 15% of their goals in the playoffs. So it's like, where are you going to find all this scoring in the free agent market? Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing names that are there that are overly sexy. And it's even the trade market. You go, well, clearly they're not a team that should be in the market for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right? Like, that's not the... I don't think that's the move for them, personally. I just think yeah. if your team has been flawed from a potential, I don't want to say chemistry standpoint, but a winning standpoint, I don't know if bringing in Pierre-Luc Dubois... He seems like a big baby. Yeah, exactly. Is the guy he finds, to be... He finds his way out of wherever he is. He, and, and he just, yeah, seems like a... Finds the problem guy. We yeah. all have that person in our life yeah. where it's like... They can have everything, and they win whatever it is that they want to have. And then the day later, they're like, nah, you know what else I don't have? And you're <laughs> yeah. like, what? Yeah. You just got the thing. Yeah. Be cool for like five minutes. I just, yeah, Bunting, Engvall, Camp, Kerfoot, Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari. It's just a lot of guys to be replacing with free agency. Yeah. I, and AHL. Unless there's people in the minors that I'm not aware of. Like, people can reach out at any time. But from what I'm seeing, it looks like Pontus Holberg, Bobby McMahon, and Nick Robertson are the the three guys that are very much next man up. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to picture what the playoffs would have looked like with them instead of the guys. The bottom six in the playoffs was really good. Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah. I don't think that they can bring really – how many of those guys can they bring back? Maybe Achari? That's the yeah. top priority and guy? And to be honest, I am less excited about that than other people. I like Noel Achari. Great so player. So do I, but I don't know? like him as your third-line center nah, that you paid $3 million dollars to. already not fast and getting – you know, older and yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Tavares is going to be a little slower. If you want to bring Eric O'Reilly, he's not getting faster. Like there were times in the playoffs. You're like, Oh, are we the slow team? Mm-hmm. Like when did that happen? And I worry about that. I just, I think that we've gotten to a place where it's Kerfoot fast, Engvall yes. fast. Sandine could skate. Like you lose some speed here. You need some people who can skate. And they did look slow at times too, with Ryan O'Reilly and Achari. Like there were moments yeah. where the team looked old and slow. Tavares would be out there. They would get hemmed in their own end when they would try to put Tavares yeah. and O'Reilly together at times. And you would go, boy, 
Those guys look like they're stuck in mud. It's probably the strongest case. As much as I love Ryan O'Reilly on the right team, you can't re-sign him because you do have Tavares. And the idea of having those guys on long-term deals together, well, I guess Tavares only two more this season. It just, that one doesn't work for me. I'm just, I'm trying to solicit from people now. Like truly, if you don't think that, like if you're in the camp of you cannot trade a core four member, right? Like you're there. Present to me the other solutions I've for rounding up. I've never met that person yet, by the way. Okay. I I know they're online. Yeah, I know. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, privately, I don't think you meet that person, but it's very much discourse online. Yeah. But I do think that even in the uh, the writing that I'm seeing kind of around hockey, you don't see the Leafs guys in trade bait columns, which because fairly enough, I don't think that they're actively being shopped and it's mm-hmm. a situation where it's a crisis point where you're going, hey, you got to have one of these guys off the books. But I do look at it and go, all right, what what's the other option? You've got Lilligren. You've got a first-round pick. You've got Nick Robertson. Those are your best three trade assets. You're going to move TJ Brody? Are you going to try to move McCabe at the $2 million and see? No, they're both cheap and good. But that's that's what I mean. You can't, you're yeah. not moving Morgan Riley, not after that playoff run that you have. So, like, how are you appreciably changing your blue line without just kind of bumping someone down? The beauty of I Jake guess McCabe, you got to sign Orlov. you got to win that bidding war. <sighs> that's a lot of money for Orlov. And now you're talking about your salary cap where it was like oh, 50% yeah. with these four guys, and yeah. now you're adding six, and that team identity I talked about goes away. I just I want to spread the wealth around, man. I want to see this team have just a little bit more depth. I want to mm-hmm. see them be able to score. I agree with you that the blue line needs addressing. I just think, like, to fill out six forwards potentially and find, give Pontus a spot, whatever, five forwards. Or I, like, one, I like McMahon forwards. and Holmberg in the regular season next year. We'll mm. see how, how they perform. But I bet you you got to have a couple guys who make 800. Like, that's just, yeah, you know. That's yeah, just, sure, they're, that they're, is they're, just, they're gonna you know. Be in. I just, yeah, Bobby McMahon is a 27-year-old guy who, yeah, whatever, fine. I kind of liked his moments for a second, but then as he played more games, it was kind of a, all right, I see. Can I tell you what I I heard? That doesn't do my gets more scoring part of the forward equation fixed. Can I tell you what I heard about Holmberg as a a guy? So have you ever... He was explained to me as he's great as a guest in your house. You don't want him in his own house. What that means is like when Uh he comes to the Leafs, and he hangs up his coat and he puts yeah. his shoes by the door and he minds his P's and Q's, does everything right. You love him. Mm-hmm. But then he gets comfortable after a while and he starts throwing his coach on the, the coat on the back of the couch and, you know, the shoes stay on in the house and all of a sudden you're a little bit less impressed. Mm. That's He went down to the Marlies after beating the Leafs and you never saw him again. A little comfy down there, mm. right? Like a little bit not on his P's and Q's. Like if he does – so my point is if he's a full-time guy – if he's on his best behavior and does everything great, you might like him. He might be a fourth-line guy for you next year. Mm-hmm. Can you keep him acting like he's a guest in the house and not getting too comfortable? Buddy, uh, it's not a report I love to hear. <laughs> Gotta say, that's not the that's not a strong endorsement for this guy for me saying give him a spot. But I think that if you're talking about the most likely guy to be the fourth-line center next year, mm-hmm. if there was a, you know, we went to Botano right now, we tried to throw up odds for who's going to start the year as the fourth-line center. I think Pontus Holmberg, especially oh, yeah. out of those He's three guys that I mentioned, 300. McMahon, Holmberg, and... Uh, Nick Robertson, who starts the year with the Leafs. He's the far, far, far and away front runner. Yeah, he had a great run with the Leafs. He played 40 games last year, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he was solid to yeah. the point where, you know, again, I think, who was it that said he should get offer sheeted on your show, Kipper? Or was me. it, yeah, it was it's Sam. All, I couldn't Sam. remember. It was one of those two guys that was like, <laughs> could he get an offer sheet? I was like, it's quiet on the offer sheet front for Pontus Holmberg. <laughs> After these 30 days. games yeah, in the American like, League. Yeah, it's not a lot of guys throwing offer sheets at him. I just... I think that the Leafs need to figure out how to get more scoring throughout their lineup. And the way for them to do that is by trading one of those guys. And you just have to accept that 
as much as the optics are going to look bad in the moment, you're not going to get a player that's as good as William Nylander. You're not no. going to get a player that's as good as Mitch Marner. You in a in a perfect world with no salary cap, of course you wouldn't trade either of those guys, and you would just continue to spend money around them and roll year after year after year. But at this point, with this inflection, where they these guys are. I, when Do you, you want to know what's going to happen? Do you want me to check the back of the textbook and read you the answer of what's going to happen? They're going to run them all back? They're going to trade Nylander in like November or something or uh, later in the season. In season? Yeah, I think that – I don't think he wants to rush anything. I don't Ooh, think he's going to come out know. and trade Austin Matthews. I think we would have heard by now. No, Matthews is not – I, th- I think he must be signing. We haven't he heard is. anything. Yeah, That's like Elliot had the report. Yeah, okay. Um you know, Nylander, his 10 ch- uh, team no trade list is, I believe, 10 teams he can't get traded to. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's selected 10 teams to be traded to, which still would leave yeah. 22 teams for them to trade him to. So the urgency on Nylander, I don't think, is quite the rush that people think it is. And I think, But if you're negotiating in good faith with a long-term contract with him right now, which yeah. even makes him more desirable to another team, yeah. I do think that complicates things in terms of just your... Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. standing with the players and with the league. If all of a sudden you're like, Nylander, we want to get you done, take a little less, and then all of a sudden, three months later, you're traded to a city you don't want to be playing in. Right, so he probably would have some protection on That's what I mean. The, yeah. But I do think that, you know, anyone trading for Nylander now is probably a good team. They're trying mm-hmm. to be competitive, and Nylander probably doesn't have them on their list anyway. I just think a Nylander trade isn't as urgent as July 1st, mm-hmm. as the no trade kicking in. I agree with that, but some part of me also wonders if this is the week. I also, yeah. if I personally want it to happen as soon as possible, because yeah. it feels like every year Nylander's contract went into the season, then he was a dog the rest of the way, or Marner's contract went in, then he struggled that year. Like, I just want them to have their team in training camp. Mm-hmm. You know what is a, my recent example is Yusei Kikuchi goes into camp and has to earn a job as a pitcher for the Blue Jays in training mm-hmm. camp when he pitched a bajillion innings in yeah. preseason, and all of a sudden he's fantastic. You know, like, I feel like I want this, this Leafs team to have an idea who they are in September. I don't want them to go into it and figure it out and maybe we'll make moves or we'll add what we'll add at the deadline. And, you know, this team was still trying to find themselves mm-hmm. come playoffs after all the moves. They had what they had six players in March this past year. No. Yeah, dude, it was insane. They changed up their basically yeah. their entire would team. like to see them sorted out sooner. So this is this is the next part of it. Matthews has to get done before Nylander. OK, but I, I've been thinking a lot about him, too. And you and I have talked about him, and I, I took a lot of crap on social. Like, or actually, it was just YouTube, so I shouldn't even care because I shouldn't have even looked at YouTube comments. But I happen to, you know, graze them. Who are you, people? Ah, God, <laughs> you're so mad on YouTube. But I'm just making this point about how I don't think that there's been a star like Austin Matthews before, right? Someone who has wanted the money, the term, the In line. The mates. NHL, yes. Yeah, say it's all over other leagues. No, no, no. In the NHL. He wants the money, he wants the term, he wants the the place that he wants to play, which is clearly he does want to play here in Toronto. He wants his line mates, you know, he wants the accolades, and then he seemingly doesn't want any of the media attention or scrutiny that comes with the other stuff. He seems good at, like, deflecting it, but he also doesn't... I wouldn't say that he's Mr. Like, you feel as though he's the most accountable fella on planet Earth. Um, I've always wanted more from him as a leader. I've always wanted a little bit more mm-hmm. bite come playoff time. I've accepted who he is. It's funny. I like him in, in interviews a lot after games, but in game, you don't see what you're talking yeah, about as much. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like so much of this offseason just comes down to if he signs the McKinnon percentage. Mm-hmm. Like if he just even signs the McKinnon percentage and says, you know what, guys? I'll take 13 million or whatever between yeah. 13 and 13, five. Yeah. And I want to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. I don't even care if it's the term because the term is fine. Let him sign for five years. I don't really care if you get Austin Matthews five versus eight, because the window is clearly right now. And then you can worry With about that down the line. 
uh, yeah, three would kind of bother me. Three would be kind of like, oh, okay, so you're here's why three would bother me is because it doesn't show any real commitment to the long-term health yeah. of the franchise. My point here is that I feel like as much of this is an inflection point on the Maple Leafs, what I mentioned with the core four, a lot of it is going to be also on Austin Matthews to step mm. up and say, hey, I know I've gotten everything before, and I know it sucks that we're in a league where the star player has to end up not doing what is most prudent for his financial future. Yeah. But it's like, man, if he goes up closer to 15 million, if he takes more of the salary cap percentage yeah. than Nathan McKinnon got, yeah. if he really forces their hand to give him all of the money and none of the term and even like capitulates on the one extra year, I- I'm really troubled by that. Hold on. I- can you stay for a little bit of the podcast only yes. portion? Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's do a little bit more of this in the podcast. Cause I got to do my Botano best bet. Do it. Uh, it's time for best bets <laughs> brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the 2022 global sports uh, betting operator of the year. Pretty good. Pretty good for them. We nailed Friday's pick. That one was great. We nailed the bonus Saturday pick, which was a bet builder. That was great. Feeling much better. And I, I I'm going to curse it, but I love today's pick. Love today's pick. Okay. The Texas Rangers minus one and a half against the Detroit Tigers. It's plus money. It's plus 105. Okay. Right now, if you look at teams hitting, it's two lefties on the bump tonight. Heaney, who was the big Blue Jays uh, member, they did the whole feature. He's like, ah, we almost picked Toronto. He's in the almost Toronto Hall of Fame. (laughs) The Rangers are third in baseball against left-handed pitching. They have an OPS of 803. That's in June. Uh, Their opponents, not so hot. 26th in June. 650 OPS against left-handed pitching. Two lefties on the mound. One team that mashes. One team that's good. One team that doesn't hit and certainly doesn't hit left-handed pitching who is bad. And I'm getting plus money just to win by two. I'm going to take that bet. I'm going to roll with that bet. Tonight, Texas Rangers minus one and a half against the Detroit Tigers. Uh, you might even want to play that one to uh, first five. You take a look at the prices if you don't feel comfortable with the minus one and a half. Anyways, that is your Botano best bet. Uh, the only sports book that I use. Hit me up anytime. Quick break. We'll come back. More Justin Bourne on the Austin Matthews piece of this. And then, yeah, some fun podcast things only. All right? That's next. Go to the podcast. Subscribe to it. Five. All right. Okay, cool. So podcast portion of the show, my favorite part of the show. We had, we had overflow, all right? I actually <laughs> want to keep born around to do, like, lies we got caught in and other fun stuff, but we might end up using the rest of his time on Leafs things. We'll see. Okay, um, we were talking about Matthews and Joe Bo doing his research. That's me. So this is all on Joe. So if some cap nerd comes at you, if I get a Myrtle text later <laughs> going, Joe actually doesn't know what he's talking about with well, the I'm cap. Looking at cap. I like friendly. that you said some cap nerd, then Myrtle. So just so you know, James, that's how you view here. 100%. 100%. Do you know that? Like, I, I think I've sent him texts before going, hey, cap nerd, how does this work? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I'm pretty right. sure. I've not pre- been hiding. No, the, uh, I, yeah. that's uh, very, very uh, upfront with our friendship. He's going to be on later this week, by the way. Uh, after the Leafs end up doing their draft and hopefully some moves. Okay, so Jobo says if Matthews takes the McKinnon money, that is 12-7. Yeah, so McKinnon signed his deal. Yeah. Uh, and at the time it was signed, it was 15.27% of that cap. Yeah. 
And assuming so, the cap right now, 83.5. If Matthew signs that exact number, it would come out to $12.7 million. So I think, highest paid player in the league. Yeah. Guess what? Matthews, be the highest paid player in the league, but don't break the barrier for percentages. Make a statement that you care more about winning than anything else. Like, yeah. that's what I think is important for him. And I know people, it's the easiest take to criticize, right? Because you say in your own life, don't you want the most money? Mm-hmm. Can't you try to want the most money and win? Why should he take less? Why shouldn't it be someone else that takes less rounds off Matthews? Don't compare what he makes to what I make. No, (laughs) exactly. He's living in a different world than we are. He's already on his third contract. He's made like 60 million. His third contract. Okay, he's already gotten it. He has the individual award, right? The guy has a heart trophy across from Connor McDavid. That's a pretty awesome thing to have. Yeah. He's got his Rocket Richard. He's got two. He's he's got people going. Man, you're you're one of the best American-born players that's ever lived. And he probably bought real estate in Toronto in like 2018 or something. He's living. (laughs) Do you know what, though? And this is so stupid. I hate it because I think the Hockey Hall of Fame is completely broken, flawed, and run by some people with some agendas that just they will not reveal to the public. The secret society that decides some Stanley Cup winners are worth less, some stats are worth more, sometimes wins are relevant, sometimes wins aren't relevant, whatever. (laughs) It's a a mystery, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But if I'm Austin Matthews, I'm going, so wait, why did those guys not get in? So what was the thing with Jeremy Roenick, the other great American-born player? Like, we know it's other stuff, but it's going, oh, yeah, you got to put some rings. You want to be one of the all-time greats, you got to win. And for them, I think that there has to be some ownership with him where he goes, okay, this is my team. I'm re-signing here. This is my team. There's no conversation about me moving. Maybe Marner gets traded. Maybe Nylander gets traded. Like, that's the business. Somebody might end up moving here. Mm-hmm. We're two years away from Tavares being gone. Maybe even less, right? Because when he's the expiring deal, who knows? Maybe the Leafs actually do say, we'll eat a bunch of this money for one year. We're moving off of the contract. He can go play somewhere else. Tavares knows, hey, we're not re-signing you. Maybe we trade you. You go somewhere else. Who knows? It's like it's easier to think about getting off of one year of money versus two. Right. Especially when this year, like I mentioned, the center market is what it is. And we're probably overstating a little bit the, you know, demise of John Tavares, the point of game player. Just like a little. Just a touch. I'm him. I'm living in the gym this summer. Yeah, but I think he lived in the gym last summer and... Guess what? He's John Tavares. (laughs) I don't think that he's had a lot of not living in the gym summers. That's not really his MO. Right. I think Matthews has to make that statement. He has to go out and go, okay, it's 1275. That's McKinnon money. Then I'm taking 1275. I'm not taking over 13. Mm-hmm. Like if, he, if he takes over that money, I feel like the culture is set, which is you go, this is about this. The Toronto Maple Leafs go are still yours. about player empowerment and getting yours. And if you're everyone else. And the problem I've always had with that is I don't get how, if you're coming to the Maple Leafs and you're feeling like a member of the quote unquote team, that it doesn't feel like, a class system in a way that is different. What do we say about yeah. the great winners too, right? Is that it's always like they praise their other teammates. They make it feel like everyone is kind of an equal part. Look at even with Vegas. I know I said, don't take too much for them, but Phil Kessel yeah. gets bumped off the roster and he's just sitting there supporting his teammates. He's at all the Stanley Cup. They love the guy to death. Mm-hmm. There was a camaraderie through their roster that you really feel when Matthews leaves, he takes, you know, Freddie Anderson or one of the other guys to, Arizona with him. He's friends with Bieber. Uh, like, you know, he was friends with uh, Tyson Berry. Um, I know Marner and he are close. But it's like, I want to start to feel the different leader. Close. I, don't I just want to yeah. see the different leadership component. I think that maybe, okay, if you're the cool guy in the dressing room, that's fine. If you're the guy that inspires the most confidence through the goal scoring, that's fine. But I, I, I want to see you take that step in your career, the Sidney Crosby step, the, the great leader step of just like, yeah. hey, hockey is a team sport. 
I know that I need a better team around me. I know we can't accomplish that as easily if I'm taking $14 million. There is no doubt that the number he takes will influence how he's viewed by the general public. And like more than ever these days, we view athletes by through the lens of their contract. And Mm -hmm. particularly in hockey, when the salary cap has been flat for so long, that's gotten much worse, not better. Yep. And yeah, it'll affect how I feel about him. Like uh, it'll, it'll show us what his priorities are. I wouldn't blame him for signing a short deal, you know, and saying, okay, if the cap, people are saying the cap's going to be a hundred million in like four years, you know, like soon. So then fine. Sign, sign for five years. Five is think is the the fewest years he can sign again. Yeah. I, I, it's, you know, this is exactly why he's going to sign four, four times a number that makes you mildly uncomfortable, but isn't four times 39 or something. You're like, well, I guess he could have got more, but I guess he didn't really take it. I don't know. You know, like he's 25 just, years old and he's signing his third contract. Like I just, he, he has made $52.9 million. That, that's what I'm saying. And, and he's it, not been paying daycare costs. I can tell you that. And he wants to live in Arizona where it's not exactly the hardest place to get real estate. Dude, like, I look back at some of the places I could have had when I lived there. Oh, yeah. You're kind of dumb. Just give them away. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, do. They do. The place, there's like a five you, bedroom place in the pool. Here? There's like two hundred grand. Board was like, is, in his book, he's like, and I was living in Arizona having the Time of my life with my wife. But then I wanted to blog about hockey and I blew up my entire life for that. I was like, what? Well <laughs> it's the most confusing part of the book. <laughs> like, like, did I tear pages yeah. out? What did I miss here? Yeah, no. It's like, where's the gap? What what was happening here? She's having fun in Arizona in the sun, having I a perfect know. life golfing all the time. But no. this is Matthews. And yeah. so it's going to be, it's going to tell us a lot about what his priorities are. And I also think that having the public goodwill is worth a lot of money too. agree, man, you know, over the course of your career and sponsorships and post career and all that. So, you know, if I'm tree living, I'm like, look, we had an Austin, Austin pizza sign last mm-hmm. year in playoffs. You guys remember the Austin pizza yeah. sign on the yeah. thing? It's a big billboard on the He's, side of the QW. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we, we could make things happen for you eventually. You can't right now, but let's, Dude, we'll talk later. The money quotient of this. It's, it's almost frustrating to think about because it's like, yeah, man, you can make this up. Right, like this is this is something that you're going to I've be fine. I see my dad and my father-in-law. The money yeah. they get offered to do certain things, and it's like they're who they are. Austin yeah. Matthews is another tier. The thing is, he dollars. clearly, you know, he just wants to be able to do his own thing and not be a part of that stuff. But I would say that for Matthews, like even for your celebrity status, Austin, you know, it's going to do better for you if you end up winning. Like if you go on a deep Stanley Cup playoff run, you don't think that's going to do well in terms of having the coverage south of the border and all of a sudden you're doing the Charles Barkley interview. Like, honestly, I wonder if he watched to Kachuk do the Charles Barkley TNT interview and he went, that's actually what I'm most jealous of. (laughs) 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 Oh God. It's close. You know, it could have been on NBA on TNT. I love that stuff. I just, I think that the implication through the rest of the roster and where the Maple Leafs are at is going to be so determined by that number. And that's why right now this week, to me, it feels a little bit, you know, you, you used non-urgent with Nylander. I feel like this week is just a little bit urgent because if you come out of this draft and you've made that pick, yeah. then that's your player. You're not, no one's trading for that mm-hmm. guy. Like unless you're already actively picking for another team and then they've got you over a barrel. Cause they've got like, if you're trading that pick, it's happening this week. Mm-hmm. So a move of consequence should necessarily like could be coming here right now. One thing that does interest me about trading that pick is uh-huh. that I think there's some conflict with the way the the organization is right now. Like, you know, Kyle Dubas left to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. hasn't hired his GM yet. Some people have speculated it's Brandon Pridham, who Brandon Brandon Shanahan was like, well, Pridham's here. He's going to run the draft. And then Wes mm-hmm. Clark is the head scout who is a Dubas guy and has followed him wherever he's been. So the two people running the draft are kind of Dubas guys, and they've mm-hmm. done Dubas-like scouting, right, for his type of players. Dude, maybe, you go, maybe you go, 
I'm not sure what everyone thinks and where everyone's going, whatever. Maybe we just trade this pick and get a guy we know we like rather than mm-hmm. kind of the, it's a complicated year for the, for the draft for the least. No, I completely agree. And it's especially complicated by the fact that their general manager isn't even at the table. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's more incentive no, to be like, we're just not going to pick anymore. No, that's it. Move, <laughs> you know? Moving the pick. The, I guess the only point of frustration with it is as much as people went, who cares about the picks, who cares about the picks and all these Dubas trades. This it's one of the funniest things about Dubas being gone and the Dubas sites just, you know, still going, how could this happen? It was never Kyle Dubas. It was always Brendan Shanahan blocking his moves and everything would have worked out fine. If he was the general manager still, it's like, you look at it and it's like, you got four guys tied to huge money. You've got no one else signed to essentially the roster. You've got a blue line that everyone agrees is kind of unacceptable. And you have to move off the Matt Murray money. And oh, by the way, there's yeah, no not picks. there's no picks anywhere in the next three years. And we're like, this is costing He's the best in. general manager who ever lived. It's like, what? It's the cost <laughs> How of much did they win, in, man? They've done it four years in a That's, row. Of course. And it, I again, I liked the deadline moves. Yeah. I liked the shots he took. I think it's retroactively, just, if you look back at his tenure, the thing we'll regret the most, you know, we, he would yeah. regret the most is like, uh, you know, Hyman leaves for nothing and that Brown one, leaves yeah. for nothing and McKayev leaves for nothing. And all of a sudden you're well, like Brown, they had to trade, right? They yeah. threw him in the Zaitsev get off the money contract, right. but still he was probably the wrong guy that they ended up giving up on at the wrong time. Yeah. The, the people valuable assets leaving for nothing when you don't win that hurts yeah. even. So there's a retroactive one with Andreas Janssen where people go, well, he sucked anyway too. It's like, yeah, he did end up sucking, but, but he, he had, had value. real value. Yeah. Like you turned him into nothing. You turned Kapanen into a first round pick. That was bad luck. Yeah. But yeah, because Rodion Amarov being sick, like, that's just, you know, awful for him right. and a bad bounce for the organization. Terrible. But, like, yeah, man, it's just there's not exactly much here. This is why, again, core four. But anyway, Matthews has to take less. That's just, like, my biggest thing is yeah. that has to – and it, it can't even – they've got to go, the line on his number. What do you think they set it at? Oh, dude, I think he's going to take and 13 and a half plus. And I think he's going to take thir- – like, this is what your point that's so frustrating with it. I think he's going to take a contract that some people will be able to defend because they're going to go, well, he didn't take 15. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, because he would have been a war criminal to take 15. <laughs> yeah. They would have had to try him in the hag and go, you know what? You've really done. So he'll still end up getting, you know, a short-term deal, more percentage than McKinnon. And that's what you, that's why I agree with you about the public perception is worth something. It's like, you know, I was watching Marcia so on spit and chicklets and he essentially reiterated something we all talk about, but it was what I mentioned after Vegas. I said, my take after the cup was Vegas is a chance to establish kind of what heat culture has, which is the the team that's just like always running a competitive group because they can have the nightlife, actually some halfway decent fans when yeah. the team is hot. Like the building gets cool whenever yeah. you're actually winning. You're living in a state with no tax. You're living in a state with golf. You're living in a state where there's a lot of access to, cool place to like be. women. Celebrities everywhere. Celebrities come through and then, oh yeah, um, you can buy a big old house and have all the amenities that you want. Also, Vegas is kind of like central. You can fly to LA pretty quickly. It's not the worst flight back if you want to come to North. And like also, the Vegas East. outside the Strip is kind of a quiet place. Yes, exactly. It's not bad. No. And Marsh is so, but he did mention, he's like, hey, the guy, they, people don't rip you if you don't score for five games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, well, if you're Matthews, I don't know how much you care about that, but setting the tone for the even the other guys that do come in here going, hey, we're going to take a little less to win. Like even just a small percentage, that's all mm. it takes. Small percentages can add up for this thing in terms of the player you get. It's the difference between you having to trade away Connor Brown versus you going, you know what? We can find another way to make this work. Mm-hmm. Like it is. And He's so a UFA, by the way, 
What? Brown's a UFA. I know he is, but it just feels like he's actually going to have a real enough market. Yeah. Like everyone's in the market for a Connor Brown. So true. Yeah. And so like, oh, maybe, the passionate guy who works hard with finishing touch. Yeah, I know exactly. But he's, <laughs> and they're like, he's coming off the injury. You're like, yeah, the injury that most guys come back from no sweat. Like <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's ACL and hockey. Like he'll be fine. Uh, he's still in his twenties. Anyway, I just think like, yeah, he's got, he's got to show the rest of the organization that this is the priority. And that I think that that's going to have a ripple effect in terms of the culture shift. Yeah. And it would also behoove them. I think if he does get this done soon, I, like, that would be, I, I do too. Just take the drama off it. And that's what I'm talking about. Have yeah. it ready by September. Have it, have it, know what the team is. Well, dude, there's never, like, if we're doing the never star thing too, I don't want to say this one was because there's definitely been complicated stars in the league in terms of the way their markets feel about them. But Matthews is definitely a very unique guy in that he's got those accolades and he has been so popular here. Mm-hmm. And yet right now, the way it feels is like it's, it's okay. Toronto has basically had no star players throughout the course of their history since 67, right? Like they had, they Doug Gilmore was a very good player. You'd think Doug Gilmore played here for 20 years, you know, and like, Mm. you know, had an insane amount of seasons. Like, nope. (laughs) Matt Sundin is the best leaf that they've had, right? He's got all the accomplishments, all the accolades are like individual stats and you go, yeah, man, Matt Sundin. I love, he's one of my favorite players ever, right? Like boyhood yeah. kind of hero ish figure, you know, he's what in the greatest players to ever play the game. I don't know. 75th. I have no yeah, idea. Just, yeah. I, I wouldn't put him that low. I think it was don't like Jeff Barrett over here. We like, you got to put New Zealand law on the head of uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, No, no, but I, he's just, yeah. Like it's Matt Sundin for yeah. an original six franchise to have him be your greatest player. Yeah. And now Matthews is on track to be that with a bullet, essentially like most talented, yeah. no question. And yet here's this organization that has been starved for stars that has been desperate for a player like this. And I do think that there's a, what, 25, 30% portion of the fan base that would go, I don't care if they trade him. Yeah. Like, that's where he's got people. And he can either internalize that as like, oh, this market stinks and everybody here is a crybaby and I've won all these things and I've scored all these goals. Or he can go, you know what, I, I've got to be the one that you changes know, his perception. It's, th- it's that element where if you're in a relationship where you feel like you're constantly begging the other person to like you and show affection and stay around, you're probably just better off without that person. That's how it feels with Matthews where it's like, you still like us, right? We're still yeah. friends, right? Like, are you mad at me? Like, yeah. wait, we're good? We're still like it. We're fine? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't feel healthy to have to chase to this degree. I know, so man. It would be nice to get a little bit of term little bit of you'd like you'd like him to show us that can you get on the knee can you show give us, us a ring that you love the give people us a literal back. ring give people back yes exactly a little bit of love all right let's do some a quick fun thing before you leave uh do you want to do uh the biggest lie you've ever been caught in a fun one not maybe not like the <laughs> ones that ended your life <laughs> maybe read justin's book for some of those other ones uh yeah or i like this one uh, you got thoughts on Mori Povich or on uh, things that you have blind confidence you'd be good at immediately, but they you have no real track record of. Those are great. Those are great questions. Mm-hmm. I'm, the Mori Povich is weird. Why is that in there? Does he die or something? What's no, up? he didn't no. die. <laughs> He's launching an at-home paternity test called "The Results Are In." That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, here's what I'll say about the results are in. If you brought that to your girl, first of all, that can't be the best. The results are in. But like, you, that can't be the most expensive one, right? Like, it's a trailer oh, no. park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the results are in. We're having our fourth trailer park kid. Yeah. You know, whoops, and he's like, we're not married. I know, but the results are in <laughs> another possibly toilet baby for us. <laughs> like, no, man, that is the most, 
That is an incredibly trash move. And like, yeah, you wrote it as where does he rank in all time TV power rankings? And I got to tell you, low for me. I never cared no. about Maury. You never got into daytime Maury. Jerry Springer at oh, least Springer. had, yeah. you know, some sort of weird cachet that yeah, Maury sure. never had. Well, I don't it was know what more it was. violence. It was just that in Jerry Springer, there was more ones where they would yeah. fight and right. they just had more topics. Maury was always that Maury exact same thing. Maury was knockoff Jerry. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a poor man's Dime Jerry. Story. Yeah, for sure. Poor man's Jerry who would just basically be like, uh, that's it. He was just the result in. It was always like a love triangle yeah. and someone was going to get exposed for not being the father or the woman had yeah. cheated. And he some also, guy. I seem to remember, cause like Maury, the only time I ever watched Maury was like home from school. Sick. Yeah, faking, it was like yeah. Price is right. Yeah. 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 And it was, I don't think I was, was ever actually sick in oh, my no. entire yeah, yeah. youth. Ch- children are never sick. That's and what I mean. I'm pretty I don't, sure I, that I my parents lies. knew. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you oh, thought you that you were so? passing, like <laughs> you thought so faking them out, but they for sure knew. I'll tell you about a lie that made me stop cheating at golf for my entire of my life. I was like 12 years old. So I've been playing golf for like a year or two and I'm playing golf with my dad. So like really want to, impress my dad and we're on a par three and I stuff it like it, you know, a par three is 160 yards and I hit oh. one to like, I don't know, 20 feet from the hole, like a legitimate birdie putt that I could make at 12 years old. It was a great shot. Mm-hmm. And my dad kind of like lost his ball in the woods and he's not around. And instead of marking my ball where it should be, I marked it like five feet ahead mm-hmm. of where it actually was. Mm-hmm. So then when I make the putt, it's like a 15 foot putt, whatever. And I make it for birdie. It's like oh. my first birdie. I'm like 12 years old. It's a huge deal. Yeah. And I'm like so proud of just myself. My memory. dad's there and just like being in the cart, driving to the next hole. And he was like, you know, next time, just like, you know, mark it where it actually is, not where you want. Like he oh, saw he me. Said it. Yeah. Oh, and he had called he me out on it at the time. And it was devastating. Like I shrunk into myself. And it's just, I, to this day, it's just oh like, my I God. hate thinking about it. No, dude, I hated you saying <laughs> yeah, that. I, <laughs> I, I felt sick for yeah, you I in know. that cart. And so like, to me now... The, the benefit of ever cheating, the no. possibility of having to relive a fraction of that no. would just never do it again. Well, and that's a classic. Like, I'm not mad. Right. Just disappointed. Just, you know, like in education <laughs> here, just so you know, don't Oof. do that. It's just like, oh. Oof. Oh, that's a tough one, man. That, just, that one made me feel cold. By the way, this one was inspired by, what's the story? Oh, yeah, here? Harvard professor who, like, studies honesty was accused of falsifying data in her oh, studies. Oh, come on. Yeah. So. But that's you, just great. Tough luck. Absolutely. Are you sure that's not like an Onion article? No, it's on the Guardian. It's from the okay, Guardian. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. Francesca Gino, where's uh, she from? Prominent Francesca. Harvard Business School professor. Yeah. What a loser. So, Harvard professor. I know. That's tough. Yeah, that is tough. <laughs> that is tough. I was, apparently, I was like, I don't want to get into this whole thing because I'm too stupid. But I did listen to a podcast recently that try, I tried to make myself feel smarter on about these professors that would uh, make up fake studies. In these scientific peer-reviewed journals to show, like, how flawed they were and just, like, oh, the amount. Oh, yeah, see if they can get them through. Yeah, and yeah. they could, and it was yeah. just, anyways, it, it's pretty interesting stuff about, like, how a lot of these things end up getting. So I do wonder if, like, what she's doing does seem to be a little bit more common practice, I think. And right. so it's just, like, finding this one, I think, might be more grabby for the story than this being, like, wow, what a shocking development. Like, I think that they all kind of do this. Were you listening to Rogan? This sounds like something. No, it's <laughs> I I don't think this was Rogan. I don't listen to Rogan in a long time. I like I usually try to see like there's a couple of guests every once in a while where I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna tune into this. Yeah. I always find it funny with the Rogan thing though, where people are like he's so stupid. I'm like, yeah, but mostly this is not like supposed to be your. Well, he invites all the smart people on. No, to but talk it's not even him. that. It's like this isn't supposed to be your like defining thing that you stop your own research on. <laughs> it's supposed to be like yeah, a kind of layman introductory to yeah. potentially learning about a topic that you know nothing about. 
and that he's a little bit better of an interviewer than you are, and he has a deeper understanding of it than you do. And if you want to learn more, then you go learn more. Ask question. It's funny. I, I once in a while I have a thing where I like want to learn more about. And it's really tough to get into things if you haven't been educated. So, like, I wanted to learn more about AI. I'm reading a book called uh, "It's Like Machine Learning: Learning and Human Values." Uh, yeah. I forgot the actual title of it. Anyway, but so I don't even have enough entry level intelligence to understand what we're talking about in some of these cases. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's hard to find places where you can kind of get your feet wet on any topic and just. Dude, Joe know. Rogan's Wikipedia. It's a big popular thing that you can go to quick to get a little bit of a cursory knowledge on something. I do like him with stand-up comedians because that's how I was introduced to Joe yeah. Rogan. Other than Fear Factor, was like he was a stand-up comic that I liked from I don't know the hey, one of his mid two thousands. His Wi-Fi bit is one of my all-time it's a great bit. You know, like if you're alone in the woods or yeah. whatever, how long until you could create, create Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi? I like know. you know, you think we're so smart, we're such an advanced society. Yeah. It's like, are you? Yeah, <laughs> are that, we are. Yeah, you know, where no, are that's you it. At? Yeah, he's, I think the bit is, are we making like who's looking out for the scientists? Like, yeah. are we watching over these people? He's yeah. like, the lights could just go out one day. And then and what were, are we going to do? Stay around. No idea. <laughs> turn the lights off. No, he's got that bit is one of my core foundational uh, like mantras. But which I, is, I actually sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I'm just. I think his it's his bit is. I'm just smart enough to know, to know how, how stupid I, I am. But yeah. he's lost that for me. He now seems to, in in the pieces of Rogan I catch, he has seemed to lost track of the idea that he is dumb. Like, like in the way that mm. you and I and all of us right. are dumb. Like that, you know, it's, I don't know, it's maybe some of the, the subject matter that he's a little too comfortable weighing in See, on. Yeah, I, I just, to me... Unless I've actually listened to the podcast, yeah. I don't care what Twitter says because yeah. Twitter will take these little chunks and a snippet. For sure. And I'm like, this means nothing to me. As yeah. someone who does this for a living and who's seen what he does, yeah. the idea that you're going to take uh, carefully curated sure. 35 to seconds to a minute on a topic that he's probably been discussing for an hour and a half with yeah. an expert and turn that into a Twitter clip that you're going to dunk on. I actually think, you know, whoever's doing that, like you're showing your sign of intelligence and just that you're in a biased place that you just want to be able to attack this. Like yeah. if you see his name trending and you click on it because you just want to be like, Ooh, what's the spicy thing? I think when you click on his name, you're one of two people. You're either someone who like wants to get frustrated that people are mad at him mm-hmm. or you're the type of person who wants to see him getting dunked on for something yeah. and goes, this guy's a stupid idiot and he thinks he can talk about vaccines and you're I like, oh, okay. I seeing him get dunked on. Yeah, but that's, see, that's what I mean. I know, I just, uh, it's, <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, uh, anyways, I'm one of the ones who gets mad on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I know what the two people are. Anyways. I will say his segments with animal experts are the most interesting. Th- those are really good. Uh-huh. Whenever he has like Forrest Gallant on and stuff like yeah. that, they're talking about like polar bears. He gets so it jacked up like about it. It sounds like it can't be affected by bias, which probably makes it wonderful. Yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah, let's talk about animals. That's I great. I just always I laugh that. thinking that anyone would ever listen to it going like, now I feel like really well informed on some of the well, stuff. Well, that's, you know, yeah. like, I don't even understand. <laughs> like, you want to get your feet wet on topics and. Uh, yeah, you, you want to get your feet wet on topic, but you also want to do it with a little bit of humor because the guy is funny. I like, do understand. But I haven't listened to him in the years. door so being open that, to certain people who push, you know. <sighs> I think the last one he talked about, and I do think that that's actually kind of the important Rogan message for me, which is like. I, I do believe in the whole thing of like if you deplatform people or you like make ideas dangerous, it actually, you know, it, it, that has a more terrifying ripple effect to me than just being able to talk. And, and I think that's the scary thing. But is, without being intelligent enough on a topic to push back and just letting someone put their message out. So like RFK being yeah. the guy is an, is an example who's like, you know, Wi-Fi is whatever he's doing. I you don't know? even know. Yeah. So but like, RFK knowledge but, is pretty but, limited. But I actually to, thought about li- listening to that one as for the first time for a long time because. Most mad about it. No, I just had no. 
Like, I know who he is, kind right. of. But it became such a big thing that I was like, God, do I have to listen to this? But this thing, you get a guy on there who says stuff like, uh, you know, Wi-Fi, you know, eliminates your blood brain barrier. And now the toxins in your body can get in your brain, whatever it is. And Rogan's like, I'm not informed enough to push back on that. And then it's just out there. You know, so like there is, but then how many people on Earth though are like, okay, we're too deep down. The <laughs> I know. We're, 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 we're to say like, then who gets to this. have the podcast? Then like, who gets no, to even have? Then so you're saying like the the whole world should just be that. You know, first of all, I hate the experts idea of like, talking with experts. No, I hate the yeah. idea of the platform thing because it's like, dude, this guy started off as a comedian who just wanted to have like comedy podcasts. I right. don't believe in the whole like give the people the platform stuff. It's like, okay, so wait, you don't want him to be popular, but he is. But then now you have to also check who goes on his show because yeah. his show is important now to you. It's like <laughs> the logic of that thing just like evades me completely. But I also just with I, great power comes great responsibility, man. Yeah, That's I know, but I, also, I think that like, yeah, man, when you're doing a free form thing, you're trying to learn. I don't know. I just, I don't, I, I think that having those conversations with people and then letting you kind of determine to a certain degree, like, again, if you're listening to that, the yeah. Wi-Fi thing and you're sitting there like, Oh my <laughs> God, it's true. Guess what? You would have found that somewhere else then. Like you're looking for that right. kind of conspiracy yes, thing. You're the type of so, person who yes, absorbs exactly. those sorts So the of, idea yes. that like a smart person, like you're driving into work today, right. Justin Bourne, you're listening to that guy being like Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi with the blood and you pull over your car and you call your wife and you're like call Rogers <laughs> cut the Wi-Fi off we're taking our children into the woods because yeah. I heard on the Joe Rogan podcast yeah. like that that to me is like that it's such a leap for me of people being like yeah. you've given them the platform you've given them the they've yeah. seen it now and you're like okay I think it's more dangerous and you like empower those people more when you go this idea is hidden and it can't be anywhere and then you go well, why is it being suppressed is no good either I don't but, know I don't know fine it's fine guess what yeah. hey the world isn't black and white gray and it's hard to figure some things out anyways you gotta go you gotta go to the gym I do I kept you for four minutes longer than I said I would. That's great. I'm also going to write words and lift weights and then do a show later. There's Where are the words going to be and when? Uh, sportsnet.ca on whatever topic we talked about earlier. I forget. It's a long time ago. We now. talked about <laughs> trading the core for. There it is. That was the first one. Is yep. it time? Don't take lessons from the cup teams. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because they've been so different over the past six yeah. years. Like that Pittsburgh team versus... There's multiple ways to build a winner. That's right. There it you is. Can reference that might me be the though, title. Oh, Joe. You okay. can reference yeah. me in this piece, though, as pushing back to saying... <laughs> The whole Vegas. But you should take some things. From yeah, uh, the whole the Vegas <laughs> feels like a really tight team, top to bottom, where yeah. all of them are like really interconnected and feel as though there's like a shared group goal rather than Toronto's, which is like the legacy of four guys, <laughs> and the rest of you guys are gone yeah. next year because we need more money for them. You're out of here, Alex. <laughs> but you know, sell out for the yeah, team. Yeah. It's about the team. Shots yeah. 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 shots for your team for them. Uh, Justin Bourne again, real Kipper and Bourne later today. Uh, plenty of free agency stuff this week. Uh, thanks for doing this, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right, Justin Bourne. There he goes. Uh, yeah, let's, you guys want to do anything else? You want to well, wrap this up? What's the lie you've got caught in? Oh my oh. God. I don't I, think I've told you this, but, uh, like the first time it on this show that it came out that I lied about how tall I was. Yeah. A buddy that I played basketball with years ago yeah. messaged me on like Facebook Messenger and yeah, was just like, what should. are you doing? You no, dude. How tall did you say you were very tall? He's six Well, I'm pretty four. tall. I'm 6'4", oh, okay. but I round, I generally round up for He rounds some up reason. to 6'6". Six, six. Six. No, I don't round six, up to 6'6". Six, six. See, now <laughs> this is just slanderous and and. No, but I will say that. I say 6'5". I'm 6'4 and change, and I say 6'5". I have a lot of friends in the tall community. I know, it's been. And they they think you're not in it. Universally, it's because they think you're not in it. No, they don't. I'm telling you, I know guys who are 6'9", 6'10", 6'8". Three guys. Yeah. Like three. And another friend who's 6'6". And every single one of them is like, yeah, this guy's not tall. If he lies about his height, he is not tall. 
So how do you feel about that? It's bad. It's bad. It yeah. hasn't been. It hasn't been well received. No, I know that is a that is a bad lie. Why yeah. did you do that? I don't know, man. I've stopped. See you, Borny. <laughs> I did catch a short friend in a lie recently. Ooh. Yeah, oh. so I caught a short friend lying about his height, and I went, oh, that's sad. Because <laughs> as somebody who is closer in height to him than to you, I went, the temptation is there at times sure. to stretch that truth. You don't want to say it. You don't want to put it out there. Like, you don't want to stamp it. If something You say it or you put it in a text, and it feels wrong, mm. right? Like... Uh, but he did it and I went, mm, boy, what, what did he say he was? He said, I, I don't want to out the person okay, more true, than fair, I need fair, to. Uh, fair, fair, fair. It's a good point. All right. That's he, fair. That's he fair. said he was, let's just say he said he was two inches taller than he actually is. Mm. All right. And when you're short, that's a lot, you know, percentages is for lot. me, that'd be yeah. six feet. Yeah. If I lied, yeah. tried to spin that and nobody would believe I'm six feet. That's what so. I'm saying. That's what I'm I got saying. No so chance. it's like, yeah, it was an ugly one. Okay. <laughs> biggest lies I've ever been caught in. Um, the thing is, is like, I hate saying this, but I've never, I've definitely lied about stuff before, but I'm usually, I don't think I've ever been caught in any of the biggest ones, like the deepest, darkest secrets that I've had. Mm. It was like, you know, mm, with the, true, true, true. but I've never, I've never cheated. Right. Like I've never mm-hmm. been a cheater. So I never got busted cheating. Like, cause that just wasn't a thing for me. Um, I cheated on a test in school once, but I got away with it. Nice. I had to yeah. get one of those too. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like <laughs> nice, I it was really nice. Like yeah. I got I got the answer key and I just yeah. and I was like, yes. And mm-hmm. I was like, boy. And this... then you had to like get a couple wrong yeah. just to 100%. Throw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah, grade 10. You have to intentionally get a couple wrong. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you 10. have to. You can't. You're, I'm not 100% in my grade 12 no, calculus exam. Are you kidding me? No, it was great. No, no, no. That's a red flag. I'm an absolute idiot. I'm not doing that. Um I'm trying to think about lies I've gotten caught in. I guess I'm honestly a really good liar, man. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm a really honest person, but you went no, with really I'm good a, liar. No, it's both. I'm honest to a fault with some things. Yeah, yeah. Especially now that I'm older, I just, I don't have time for the BS that comes with sometimes like, because here's what I've definitely learned is that when you're living the lie stuff, it's just so exhausting. Yeah. That's the big thing. Like carrying oh, yeah. a lie around is the biggest stone in your gut ever yeah. mm-hmm. so like Bourne's thing that's why i felt so horrific i was gonna say getting caught in a lie is like what his the only thing i could relate was your i'm not mad i'm disappointed story is like my mom caught me smoking weed out of a uh <laughs> pop bottle bong yeah. when i was skipping <laughs> school one time i didn't even have the respect to leave our house <laughs> i smoked it in the basement like a oh. troll blowing it out the window like a total scumbag and she came home to get some for my brother and she busted me with it and i was like uh and she gave me the, like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed speech. And so I just knew that that gut feeling. But, like, I can't remember really ever cheating at sports. Like, I was always, like, a dirty player. Someone who would, like, you know, take penalties as a goalie and who would, like... You run Hextall people? No, but, and <laughs> and then, like, in basketball, like... I'd I'd always I'd always pinch people on the back of like their I elbow. Loved, I, lo- I did a little. <laughs> I was like a little. Too, you yeah. do a little pinch. I'll pull on your shorts. Yeah, a little yeah, yeah. like make you you coming around the screen. You're beating me. I'll pull your shorts. So you went and put your hand down and grab it. <laughs> you know, like little different different stuff like that. I uh, I pulled arm hair out of a guy once and I got thro- <laughs> I got thrown out of a game for it because he yelped. Yeah, I just <laughs> he yeah he yelped and the ref saw and he like he just knew I was doing things and he just immediately <laughs> tossed. He didn't give me one tech. He just I was tossed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I've done like, but I, I can't say in sports, 
I can really actively think of a time like I've cheated. I've definitely, I've been caught in lies cheating at, you know, board games. I'm a serial cheater in those spots. That's why I do know that when the person is the, the one projecting, like, are you doing shady things? Are you used to being sneaky? I'm like, that's the number one for me. Telltale sign that a person is the liar or the cheat, right? Like when they're the accuser. That's it's like because the, the, well, what they're trying to do is blow all yeah. of it off themselves. Yeah, yeah. No, but also that's how they see the world. Oh, that's true. They see the world as like you're trying to get one up on me. I swear, which is, is why what, they're trying to get one up on everyone dude, else. It's one of the most useful things if you're in a relationship and you got someone who's like wants to go through your phone all the time, wants to you know, like what are you up to? What are you doing? Unless you have a track record of doing it, it's like that person may have trust issues. Either they've been really burned before, or they're the one who doing does the shady stuff. And like yeah, like and they're trying to. Cover yeah, up. yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, pretty universal. That same sense. thing, playing cards, playing games. People mm. are like always cautious about like you cheating. Like, where was that? Well, you know, that that's probably the person that you need to keep an eye on the most. That's in yeah. a general old JD rule. And same thing with like when people are talking trash, you know, privately, yeah. when they're like taking shots at other people and they go this, that, and the other, or whatever. It's like, all right. You probably so, say that about multiple people. No, but if there's a thing that really bothers you about somebody, like it's usually because you see it in yourself. And so sometimes people will tell on themselves by being oh, like the, the insecurity side. Yeah, of it. exactly. Mm. Like the things, dude. The things that trigger me the most are the things that I do. Like for sure. Yeah. When I'm like, that's why I get. I think you get most mad at your siblings sometimes, or you get like embarrassed by a family member or something like that because you're like, ah, I do that too. God damn it. <laughs> ah. When my mom's just prattling on about a story that nobody cares about, I'm like, oh my god, that's me all the time. This is what it's like to hang out with me. Just blabbing away, and people are it's like, kinda, I got checked for... out like six minutes ago on you, dude. It's, it's, uh... you are... I'm like, oh, God, I'm staring down the future. This is going to be me. I already said I'm a podcast. Like, <laughs> it's going to be dark. It's going to be bleak for old can't shut his mouth over here. Yeah. Uh, old can't shut his mouth. Yeah, no, it's not going to be good. It's a little harder for me to do that. For you to do what? For to like see like like the same traits in my family members and me. Oh yeah, you're adopted. I am adopted. Yes, but yeah, still though I think I'm, I'm, I'm still raised the same way, so I do yeah. I do have tendencies like them as well. Nature mm-hmm. nurture, you know. Yeah, classic. Yeah. But it, it's kind of funny because my brother and I are complete opposites. Like yeah. we don't do anything the same. We don't listen to the same music. We don't dress the same. Like mm-hmm. we don't even talk the same. Like it's it's crazy. Mm. Just polar opposites of each other, even though we were raised in the same environment. See, you know what though? This is one of those things where. Was actually reading an article about this the other day. How uh, when they're doing the nature versus nurture debate, it's like, yeah, it's obviously it, it's it's nature and nurture. But yeah. people will grow up in the same house. They'll have the same rules. They'll have you know like mm-hmm. th- they get the same contract. Then the two kids can end up being completely different. Yeah. It's like, well, well, how do you really account for that when you're talking about like, oh, it's just one of the like it's just a lot of nurture. And you're like, yeah, well, you know, that's why if you blame your parents for stuff. I get it. It's fine. We can all blame our parents for certain things. We have all of us have that one or two things in us that are like, I would be so different if my parents <laughs> had just done X, right? Everybody has that. Yeah. But when you're trying to blame them too far, I go, all right, well, you know, people have had, you know, murderers have had the same parents. Yeah. You know, like one's a murderer and one's probably like an accountant. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, like a normal dude to the family. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, it's hard for me to blame your parents too much. Yeah, no. For That's sure. why whenever I saw so like I've done some therapy before and once I, I will admit that like I'll get a little too defensive when they start to do the thing and like, and that's why you feel guilty. And I'm like, all right, 
I'm like, don't talk about my grandma that way, you stupid idiot. Where did what you do even, you know? What is a psychologist exactly? <laughs> what gives you the right? Yeah, like, where did you get this diploma? Let's you see met me this. three weeks yeah, ago. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? What's on your bookshelf right now? What are you reading right now? Oh, take stock of what I'm grateful for? Ooh la la. That must have taken them a long time to teach you that. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was good. Now we've made fun of therapy and our parents. Good stuff. Oh, okay. Give me the update on the Elon Musk thing before we go. So the Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. fight. So Dana White was had an interview with TMZ over the weekend, and he said that they're both dead serious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said he actually wasn't even sure at first. So uh, Mark texted him and said, is he serious? And then Dana was like, oh, let, let me talk to him. So then he texted Elon, and Elon was like, I'm dead serious. So mm-hmm. according to Dana White, who already has a T-shirt made up, by the way, uh, made in the UFC style, yeah, Zuckerberg versus Musk. I sent it in the uh, original email. Oh, this is just advertising. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's is... just advertising. It's just uh, it's just funny to see that. But uh, George St. Pierre said via Twitter that he was going to back this is so Elon cringy, Musk man. and then this John so Jones cringy. saying that he's got Mark Zuckerberg. Unless they fight, I think this is the last I'm going to do of this. I think that this yeah. is the, we have now hit the... They better fight. No, they will not. I know, but I like at <laughs> so this point. Better fight. Well, no, at like, this point, like, well, what's, what are we doing this is the here? Extent of it, because Dana White's coming out saying it's going to be the biggest fight ever. God. It's like, okay, now someone's so- like, I'm not going to buy a Tesla now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Polestar guy. Oh, uh, well, I'm you are off Instagram, so like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, here's the only couple of things. I think this is bad for Zuck in a way because whenever they show the two of them matching up, they always show the wealth. Yeah. And it's like double. <laughs> you go, ouch, Zuck. I've never seen a guy with a hundred billion dollars look poor you before. Poor, That's poor, what I mean. It, poor, but they stack, they stack them up. I'm like, only a hundred and four? You lose. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> This guy's got 200 and some, and you're 104. If Catch I was Elon, up. that's all I'd be saying. I'd be like, oh, so yeah, it's nice 100 billion. Call me when you double My it, salary baby. starts with a two. What about you? Yeah, no, it's not, no, it's just like, and also, okay, I've said that Zuck is the big time favorite, and I stand by this. I think yes. he's the big time favorite. Minus 500. He's much younger, and he's actually done training, and yeah, Elon Musk is... Although Elon fight. Musk did say in that, like in the interview, so Dana White talked to him and he said like people don't know how many fights I've been in in South Africa and no, stuff like that. Oh, oh my talk. God, Joe, yeah. you idiot! That is proof that actually that lose the line the other way. The guy was like, <laughs> "I got in fights in high school, man. Yeah. He's fifty-four years old. Yeah. You and he's fought got a plastic one. jaw now. Yeah, forty yeah. years ago, you were like, I got well, in I'm, a I'm, South I'm, Africa. I'm just fight. saying, like Elon, he's trying to pump his own tires. Yeah, what are you talking? Elon, nobody knows how. That's, <laughs> dude, the, he cannot win. I take back everything no. I said about him. I was going to say that he's bigger and like maybe he could like throw his weight around a little bit. Like, and I was like, nah. It's, but the the thing that sucks for Zuckerberg is now some of his jujitsu clips are starting to float out around online. They are. Have you seen some of these? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple of them floating around. Oh, God. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. I can't use the word <laughs> that I want to to describe. It is cringy, man. Like, Dana White was saying, like, he can do some stand-up, and I was like, can dude, he really? There's one where he's just rolling with his jiu-jitsu instructor, and it's just... <laughs> it made me It made me want to throw up watching it. I went, oh, my God, this is the guy back. You can't bet on this fight. 
even though he's the heavy even favorite. Even though everyone will, 100%. No, well, it's never going to happen. No, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. They, we, you're right. We've got to the point where it's like, sign the contract or just stop talking about no, it. No, but of course, it's... dude, why wouldn't Dana White be talking about this and pretending like yeah. it's going to be a fight? It's amazing advertising. Like, he's in a promotions business. Exactly. And the UFC, he's just going, look, this is the place where if they were going to fight, they would come to me, the UFC, because this is the place mm-hmm. where people fight. It's like, like okay, We can yeah. make it happen. We have the venues. We yeah, have the connections. So it's just all club chasing. It's lame as hell, but my yeah. God, it's just... just... <laughs> This just shows you how disconnected these guys are from reality, though, because they think, like, this is cool, you know? We're cool. We would fight. Well, and the all rest the kids of the world is like, ew. <laughs> 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 you guys are gross. What are you, like, a pasty, tiny little nerd who's trying to do jujitsu because he's probably had his ass kicked and been bullied his entire life, and the other guy just refuses the idea that he could ever die and is so overly confident that he became the richest man in the universe. And so, but they both have people in their corner going, that's the worst part of this. Both those guys have people around them, their immediate circle who are just all mm-hmm. feeding off of oh, them. Yeah. Right. And they're going, you would definitely kick his yeah, ass, yeah, bro. You could, you could, you could tap him out for sure. Yeah, Zuckerberg. <laughs> you could lay on him and submit yeah. him for he sure. He has no idea how sick at jujitsu you are now, Zuck. <laughs> ah! Musk, what do you mean? Imagine you, being just a human being. You've been in being. fights in South Africa. Of course oh. you could do this. Imagine getting dropped into those conversations just cold and you have to pretend like, you know, how you would be, I'd be fine because there'd be so much money. He'd be like, yo, this guy pays you over a million dollars. I'd be like, oh man, you're the toughest dude. <laughs> you're the toughest bro. Man, don't hit me, Elon. GSP who? Oh, you brick my arm. Yeah. <laughs> GSP who? I don't want to look f- at this guy. I don't want to feel the, uh, the, 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 where's he from again? South Africa? South Africa. Uh, Elon yeah. Musk? Yeah. Yeah, South Africa. I want to feel that South African childhood trauma just come <laughs> rippling through my arm. Anyways, that's some good stuff. All right. Uh, more Leaf stuff this week. It's going to be a busier Leafs week. We're off on Wednesday, but I'll reiterate that later. And then, yeah, as always, uh, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram if you want to play Botano and you haven't done so already. Uh, and if you're new here, subscribe to the podcast because you were listening to Born. You're like, I came for the smart guy and you did all the dumb takes. Yeah, so screw you. Anyways, bye. <laughs>